now we're coming in um, to that point where I'm trying to unpack those clauses for us a little. Um, he descended into hell um, is the first one we look at today. And, and I want to start by, by asking a question. Uh, and, and in that question, I'm just going to say, where did Jesus go after he was buried in the tomb? And what, and what this small clause, these, these four words, what they emphasise is, is really that Jesus had truly died. And, and a few weeks ago, when we looked at how, how Jesus was crucified, how he died and he was buried, and, and we dug into that fact that Jesus died on the cross, that he was then buried in the tomb. But here, here we're reminded um, of that fact. We're reminded, just following that in the, in, in the creed, how important it is that we get the fact that Jesus died. Um, but I asked, the, I asked the question of where did Jesus go? Because there can be confusion here. Um, and when we recite the creed, we say, um, often at St. John, we say he descended into hell. And the problem here is the word hell. Um, if you look in many service books, the LBW included, uh, there's a, uh, an asterisk uh, next to that word and, and, and a note which then says, or descended to the dead. And, and some churches will recite that he descended to the dead. Others will say um, that he went to Hades. Um, and I want to remind you of something that I said toward the beginning of this series, that the creed contains nothing which isn't biblical. And if, if anything, the creed is a summary of scripture. And so we've got to be very careful not to go beyond God's word when trying to unpack what the creed says. Um, but we've got to deal with the problem that plenty of people have done just that. And we've been left with this uh, cacophony of noise that's it's the surround we've got to we've got to decipher the truth through that um i mean i think theologians in the medieval era uh, i think artists since then right through to the present day they've gone far beyond what scripture teaches us in expressing hell uh, and one of the more simple reasons for this is the word itself because scripture speaks of of hades um, and when we translate Hades um, via the Latin into the English, it's often results in that word hell. Um, it's not that that's necessarily a wrong word, but it's far from perfect. It really doesn't give us the whole picture. Um, scripture it, it often um, speaks of, of another place as well, a, a place of torment, um, which it's in the New Testament Greek, um, we get Gehenna. And, and the Bible doesn't say that Jesus has found himself in Gehenna. But it does pronounce his bodily death. Um, and if, if we look at some passages of scripture, we can, we can see that this question is it's an important one for us to be asking and seeking the right answers to. Um, first, pa first passage of scripture to go to really here is, is, is 1 Peter 3. Uh, verses 18 and, and, and 19 and, and and that just says that for Christ also suffered for sins once for all the righteous for the unrighteous in order to bring you to God he was put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit in which he also 
went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison. See, so Jesus' body was in the tomb, but his spirit was not. And that's why I asked the question, where exactly is Jesus in, in, in this time between Good Friday and, and, and Easter morning? Well, 1 Peter there tells us that Jesus is proclaiming victory to the Old Testament saints. And the next verse there goes on and mentions Noah and the building of the ark, uh, along with the eight lives that were saved as a result of Noah's obedience. So you might think this, this idea might not quite fit with what you know or you think you know in, 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 this, in, in this space. But it's consistent with what scripture tells us elsewhere. The, 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 the strands of scripture throughout um, look to the New Testament and, and the Gospels, Luke 16, and, and the story that Jesus tells of the rich man and Lazarus. I'm, I'm not going to read that out for you, but have a read of it yourself. But I'm, I'm going to kind of summarize it here a little in that we hear of the rich man who is in torment in Hades and of Lazarus sitting in the bosom of Abraham, also in Hades. And so this tells us that Hades is, is really the realm of the dead. And that it's here both a, a place of torment and, and, a, and a, place, a, a place of great blessing. Um, you know, there's, there's not much greater blessing for a Jew to hear than to be sat in Abraham's bosom. Um, and this is the truth of Scripture. This is what the creed is, is trying to draw out for us. You see, Hades, um, or, or the Old Testament name for which was, is Shoal, um, it's not this modern idea of hell that, that these places are referring to. It's not a place of complete eternal separation from God. It, it's the place of the dead. It's the realm in which all go after they die. Um, that's that's the kind of the the, the Old Testament and, and even the the time of Jesus, the thinking of of the Jewish people and many others around about the nation of Jerusalem. Um, and it's here in in this place where Lazarus is sitting in that most honoured place with Abraham, that he can also be seen by the rich man. Who is in agony in the flames. See the closing of, of, of that section of scripture from, from Luke is, is a reply, we have a reply from Abraham to the rich man's request to, to send someone from the dead to appeal to his brothers so that they may not end up on, um, my, my paraphrase is that, the wrong side um, in Hades. And, and, and the reply simply comes that um, Abraham says, if, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be conceived, even if someone rises from the dead. And how very true a statement that is, because there are people all over the world today who don't take on board the words of Moses. They, they ignore the words of the prophets. Um, but then there are some that take on some of those words, but they don't believe in the resurrection. But here... We pronounce in the creed that we believe that he died and went to Hades or, or, or in our version to hell. But we've got to be careful what we mean when we say that word, what we actually mean when we, when we, when we profess that he went there. Um, and then we say he rose again on the third day.
And we're going to look at that part in, in a moment. Um, but I just think, you know, this is central to our faith that Jesus rose again on the third day. Okay, it's important we get where Jesus was in between his death and his resurrection. And I briefly summed that up and we can, I'm happy to talk more to any of you that, that, that want to about that. Um, and you might have some questions and, and we, can, we can definitely look at those. But this, this idea of Jesus raising from the dead is central for us. That actually right now we're just going to take time and we're going we're gonna to proclaim that. We're going to sing of our Saviour's victory over death and then we'll unpack it a little further.
reading in the in the comments there uh Cynthia saying how great it's here to hear Easter music other than at uh, at, at time of Easter and um, let's be honest we have an Easter faith so it's perfectly great to sing Easter music all the time because we have an Easter faith um, without Easter we would not have a faith um, and as that song says we are to tell the world that the Savior is alive and and that that story of Jesus is it's consistent with the words of Moses and of the prophets which we were just looking at before it's, it's consistent with the entirety of Scripture and, and as we proclaim his resurrection his resurrection from the dead on the third day yeah let's let's think what is it actually that we're saying I mean yeah simply um, we are saying that just as the angels had said on that first Easter morning when they, um, when they spoke to those women. They say, make sure you look in the right place. Yeah, make sure you're looking in the right place. Because the angels, they said to the women, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. And it's, it's important that we really grasp that, what's going on here, because first... We worship a God of the living. Okay, all who are in Christ are alive. Death is defeated, yes. There's the, the, the life that we have here on earth will come to an end, but that is not the end. Okay, uh, we worship a God of the living. And, and, and the second thing is that the angels are reminding the women and, and us as we read through these passages of scripture, the words of Jesus. Um, as they, as they go on to say, remember, remember how he told you that while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be, uh, must be handed over to the hands of the sinners, must be crucified, and on the third day, rise again. See, Jesus' body, Jesus' body on Easter morning was no longer in the tomb. His spirit which we talked about having left the body and, 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 and gone to proclaim victory to the saints of old, has, has returned and is physically, physically risen from the dead. His body has been transformed into um, now a resurrected state. Uh, he, is, he is the first fruits of the new creation, Paul says. And, and as I said throughout this series, the creed summarizes what the scriptures say. And there's nothing that we say to declare our faith here nothing that that is not affirmed in the word of god including the bodily resurrection of jesus christ and and i spoke really about that a lot on on easter sunday and you can go and have another listen to that if you still need uh, wanting to to dig into this more um, all of the gospel writers they're unapologetic on telling this truth they, they write of the empty tomb they write of the the witnesses 
of this historical event and, and, and they detail the appearances that, that Christ makes post the resurrection and, and leading up to his ascension. See, the very fact that Jesus rose from the dead energized them. It energized the message that they carry, the, the, ap uh, the apostolic proclamation. Um, it validated that which they were sharing. And, and Peter, I mean, take his, um, his, his, his opening sermon in, in Acts 2. And he speaks of this as the evidence that Jesus is who he says he is because of the resurrection, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, the Saviour of the world, because he's been raised from the dead, that proves it. Uh, and, and he says in, in Acts 2, he says, Fellow Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. This man handed over to you according to the d definitive plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having released him from the agony of death because it was impossible for him to be held there. Now, this is the very message from Peter, and it models for us the importance of this twofold proclamation that we need to give, that we need to carry and share. It's the cross and the resurrection. We're called to faith. We're called to repentance. And because of both the cross and the resurrection, like I said, without the resurrection, without an empty tomb, faith itself would be empty. It takes the tomb being empty and the bodily resurrection of Jesus for faith to exist. And that's summed up again in another of, of Peter's um, sermons, um, when, when he later in, in Acts 10 is, is, is talking with the Gentiles in Caesarea, having been kind of called to them uh, from Joppa. And, and, and he says, uh, it, it, it tells us that Peter began to speak to them and say, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every people, anyone who fears him and practices righteousness, righteousness is acceptable to him. You know the message that he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. The message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power how he went about doing good and healing all who were, who, who, were, who were oppressed by evil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all of the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. See, how much of the creed is packed there into what Peter said? This whole section that we're talking about right now. What we're going to go on and talk about next week. It's right there. 
He's been ordained by God to judge the living and the dead. And it's important that we really get what Peter's saying, what Peter understood, that the resurrection is the, it, it secures the hope of our salvation. See, it, it's not that the resurrection is, it's not that it's an essential doctrine of the church, that it, it's not just that, that the early church needed it and, and had to, to kind of like explain it to people. Um, and there's a doctrine for us today. Um, but it, it's this event, it's Christ raising from the dead, which lies at the heart of our witness for today. Tell the world the Saviour is alive, that he has come to save and give new life. We just sang that. And that's the mission which the church is given by Christ, not just for the apostolic age, not just for the time of Acts, not just for Paul to go to the Gentiles, but for us today here in America to share with our neighbours, with our colleagues. We've got to live in the truth that Jesus descended to the dead and on the third day rose again. And um, I'm drawn to words of, of, of St. Paul from, from 1 Corinthians 15 where he reminds us of what the prophet Hosea said and what was penned all those years prior. They're so powerful and they point exactly to what we're talking about here and it just says death is swallowed up in victory where oh death is your victory where oh death is your sting so as we create now some space to to reflect on what god is saying to us both personally as a result of what we've looked at today and then maybe for bigger implication for the community of saint john as well um, just gonna put some more music on just gonna start with um with a hymn my favorite hymn actually of, of all time really um which reminds us of those words from jose which paul kind of drills home here um asking death where is your victory where is your sting and of course we know the answer the answer is you ain't got one you know yeah you, you, it's almost, a, it's almost a laugh at death because death has no victory when we're in Christ. There is no sting in death because death is the wage of sin. And when we are in Christ, our sins are forgiven. And so there is no sting in death. So we're going to sing. We're going to have played over you that hymn, Abide With Me. And then... That scripture verse that sort of started us off today um, in, the, in the opening. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We're going to sing of that as we then go from abide with me into God so loved. So rest in him. Listen to what he's saying to you and, 
And if you want to respond by praying with others or, or having someone pray over you right now, then go and call into that virtual prayer room. Um, people are there willing to pray with you, wanting to pray with you, wanting to speak God's love over you. So come, spend time in his embrace and open your ear to his voice.